Hello, brothers and sisters. Joe Zenk coming to you in another Cup of Joe podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 26th of 2020, uh, and we celebrate a feast day today, the, the Feast of St. Philip Neri. And we will talk about Philip uh, a bit during the reflection today because I didn't know much about Philip. I don't know about you. Maybe you know a lot, but I didn't. And uh, I, I did a little bit of research. I um, uh, go to uh, the Franciscan's um, website and because I think they just do such a good job with their saint of the day and did a little reading on him, and I will convey that to you. But uh, what I read just... I was so impressed and so want to share that with you as well today. But let us um, dive into the Word of God. Today we are now on John chapter 17. So uh, I suspect that's probably where we'll be most of the rest of this week. I've not looked ahead. But again, that would make sense because we're moving toward Pentecost this weekend, which ends the Easter season. And uh, then I suspect we will start uh, beginning next week when we enter back into ordinary time during the weekdays to start with some of the synoptic gospels. Plus, chapter 17, as I've been saying, is the fifth chapter of Jesus's Last Supper discourse. So I think these next four days will probably take us through that uh, as we've been going through it for quite some time now. So for those at home who want to follow along, John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11a. So a little bit longer reading today. Uh, John 17, 1 through 11a. Let's hear the word of God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that your Son may glorify you, just as you gave him authority over all people, so that your Son may give eternal life to all you gave him. Now this is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do, Now glorify me, Father, with you, with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I revealed your name to those whom you gave to me out of this world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you gave me is from you, because the words you gave to me I have given to them, and they accepted them and truly understood that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for the ones you have given me, because they are yours, and everything of mine is yours, and everything of yours is mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I will no longer be in the world, but they are in the world while I am coming to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh gosh, there's so much I want to talk about, and I'm going to try to be brief, because I I don't do a good job of that. But let me start by by jumping into about three-quarters of the way through Jesus' prayer. 
And it's the shortest sentence in the whole gospel. I pray for them. Um, We hear time and again, uh, you know, Jesus and the Father are one. Everything you gave to me, you know, uh, you freely gave to me. I passed on to them. Now they believe because of that. And, uh, and, And he's getting toward that point that we made last week, that now that same unity that the Father and the Son share, we share with the Son. And he talks about that in, in the second half of this gospel a lot. You know, that, hey, I gave it to them, and they believe now because of you, uh, because of that. And this whole idea, I pray for them. Now, he's not just praying for the 12. Remember, he's praying for all of us. You and I have been past this word because of their um, uh, the work that they did, their yes led to you and I listening to this and saying yes to the same word. And of course, the responsibility that gives for us is to pass it on for the next generation to indeed hand that word on, but that we continue to do it in Christ, with Christ, for Christ, because he prays for us on the way as well. Anyway, wasn't planning on talking about that before I just read that, and it struck out at me during the reading right there. The other thing that I want to talk about uh, before I get into Philip Neary is this idea, now this is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I know I've mentioned this before. Forgive me. I simply don't. I'm not, I'm not that smart that I can keep coming up with new things. But uh, this idea, I think, which is common, I think, in religion, in general, maybe within Christianity specifically, uh, certainly within our, our, our time. I think it's easy to think of eternal life as something that begins after death. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is not saying that. He's saying something entirely different, differently. Now this is eternal life that they should know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, of course, when we talk about knowing, we're talking about beyond head knowledge only, that knowing in the biblical sense, and, and in the very sexual sense, if I may use that frame, in that full knowledge, body, mind, spirit, in that We are known fully, and we know fully. The more you and I, my friends, can give ourselves fully, body, mind, and spirit to our God and know this God, now, today, on May 26th, the more that um, eternal life begins here and now, because it is a life lived with God, for God, in God. Uh, and, and that transition to the next life uh, upon our death is, is going to be an easy one, if I may say that. Uh, because in a sense, it will be because of all these other deaths that we're saying no to now in order to say yes to Christ. Why would this transition from this physical life to to our next life be any different? The more, brothers and sisters, we can die to whatever it is around us, 
in order to say yes fully to this full knowledge, body, mind, and spirit of God, to know him, that life begins now. And, and of course, that would be natural to continue in the next life. Um, Philip Neary. I'll give you the grass, grassroots, that, that's not the word I'm looking for, the thumbnail sketch, how's that? The Reader's Digest version of Philip Neary's life, and he deserves far more than Joe Zank is going to give it to you. And so if you were so inspired to, to study his life, I was really impressed with, again, the, the small amount of research I did. But here's what I know. Born in Florence in the 16th century, and why is that important? So it's almost exactly 500 years ago. I think he was born in 1515. Uh, but it was 1517 that the Protestant Reformation began. So he grew up in a church that was, uh, at the beginning, um, saying, no, it did not need to reform itself, but then coming to understand its need of reform and what that reform looked like through some councils, such as the Council of Trenton and other things, but this was the church he was growing up in and the church that helped form him. Uh, and, uh, and Philip Neary um, came from a, a family of means, but he chose not to go down that road. And, and I want to read this to you because I want to get it exactly right. And, and again, this is from Francis, franciscanmedia.org, their saint of the day, uh, which is usually quite, quite brief reading. Um, but it says, at an early age, Philip abandoned the chance to become a businessman, moved to Rome from Florence, and devoted his life and in, excuse me, and devoted his life and individuality to God. Now I'm going to come back to that again and again here in this. He devoted his life and individuality to God. How was he an individual? Well, he started when he got to Rome. Um, by uh, uh, studying for the priesthood. And after a few years, he realized that philosophy and theology that he was studying were over his head, and he didn't, he said, well, then I'm not going to be a priest. And so what he did in his individuality at that time, which is something that is somewhat second nature to us in our time, but was unheard of in his time, was... Uh, he gathered around him a group of lay people, lay women and lay men. And they did a prayer group. They did a study of scripture, a study of church, study of, of church history, study of church doctrine. And they began a mission to those who were poor in Rome. Unheard of at the time, because the only people that were doing that were the ordained uh, and those who were um, working within the church. Um, and here was this lay person who was beginning this. And, and so um, he was so successful at it uh, that the people of Rome, and I'm, I'm saying from the poor all the way up to the cardinals, came to see his holiness through that. And after a, um, a dozen, 15 years, uh, a priest came up to him, cardinal, bishop, I'm not sure who it was, and said, listen, you got to be ordained because look what you're doing. Everybody can see this. So uh, they ordained him as a priest, but he kept that individuality. And here's why I say that. He, two things, at least in this research from Franciscan media that came out, were his humility 
his love of service to serve those who were in need, um, which, by the way, was the church during this time of Reformation. Uh, he did that not by going to the Council of Trent and, and redoing dogma. He did it by speaking to those people, those leaders within the church at the time, who may or may not have seen themselves in need of reform, but through coming into contact with them, did reform their lives and, and uh, were holier because of it. And then they went off to the councils and, and helped create uh, the church that lasted up until Vatican II. Uh, that's an amazing action that he did. Again, the humility of Philip Neri. But here's the other individuality he kept, and that was a sense of gaiety. Uh, he loved to laugh. And, and he brought that with him in his ministry. So what happened as, after he was a priest is, is now other priests would come to him, and he kept those lay people around him, and he began what's called an oratory. And every day in the afternoon, they would have teachings, and, uh, and they would sing uh, some songs. But the teachings were done not just by the ordained and certainly not by Philip only. It was by the lay as well. So there were lay people doing teachings within and to ordained people at this time. And they were singing in the vernacular, which is what Luther had started in breaking from the church up in Germany. So there were people that thought Philip was a heretic in those two things. But again, he gave his life and his individuality to God. He didn't say, all right, if I'm giving my life to you, God, I have to be like everybody else in the church. In fact, he said, no, this is who I am in my humility and in my gaiety and in my understanding of the laity and the ordained. He brought together everybody. And yes, there were people that thought he was a heretic because of it, but ultimately the church said yes to his ministry and saw yes, yes to it because they saw the fruits of it and what it was doing. I know I told you I'd be brief, and I'm going to end with this. Brothers and sisters, there's that famous story of St. Francis on his deathbed, and the, the small community of Franciscans was gathered around him, and he looked at, up at them as he was uh, close to death, and he said, I have done what was mine to do. Now you must do what is yours to do. Philip lived in that same vein. He did what was his to do, not what everybody else was doing around him at the time. In his individuality, he did what was his to do. I want to repeat one line in the gospel for you. And this is what it says. Jesus, after he said, this is eternal life, uh, that they should know you, the only true God and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. He said, I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do. Brothers and sisters, we only accomplish, give glory to God. We only give glory to God by accomplishing the work that he has given us to do in our individuality. May we, like Philip, put our life and our individuality at the service of our God and allow God to surprise us, surprise the church, and surprise the world on what that may look like. Let us uh, pray now, my friends. 
We are on Tuesday of, uh, of this week, and so we are still moving through the Luminous Mysteries. Uh, and so uh, we will be praying that today. I'll give a moment of silence if there is an intention for which you would like to pray. But I do want to say this. Tomorrow, on Wednesday, we will have the funeral of Ken Klotz at uh, Holy Rosary. And today I was also notified of two other funerals that will be coming up this week uh, or sometime soon. Kathy Hauk, who passed away from Saints Peter and Paul here, and Tom Winkle, who passed away from St. Anne. Uh, and so in a special way, I'm going to ask us to keep Ken and uh, Kathy and Tom in our prayers through today's rosary as well. So let us pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The second luminous mystery, the wedding feast at Cana. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Blessings to you, my friend. Thanks for uh, being with us today during this podcast. I wish you well, 
and uh, every blessing. And I uh, look forward to us being back together again tomorrow. Bye-bye.